0: Once upon a time, in a faraway land. What are fairy stories? The strange and wondrous place where nothing is as it seems. Magic mirror on the wall. Who
1: is the fairest Fairy is a perilous land. Before she found herself falling down, what seemed to be a
2: very deep well.
0: It world. is the place you visit in your A world of dream. myth and magic. When the
2: clock began to tick. A mysterious voice began calling to the sad princess. She
1: picked her finger with her needle. Three drops of blood fell on the water.
2: In a trance, way. she followed the haunting sound up a winding tree. stairway to the top of the. You tower. You can read along in your book. She wake her one night and said the magic words. Let's, Let's begin, begin now.
1: Well, Met Witches, we're gathered here today to discuss a piece of sacred lore that was suggested by our guest, Aaron Mazza. Aaron, how would you like to introduce yourself?
3: My name is, well, it's going to sound like the intro to my show. My name is Aaron Mazza. And uh, the reason I suggested the book that I suggested, Stragonona, is because it has had a profound impact on the way I conduct myself in my everyday life and not just in my craft. And I just want to spread that knowledge to all y'all.
1: Thank you so much. And we have returning Reverend Laura Gonzalez. Hi, how you been? Where you been?
0: Hi, my name is Laura Gonzalez. Um Who am I? I'm a minister, and I'm a princess of the goddess, I'm a witch for hire, I'm a podcaster, uh, she, her, and uh, happy to be back. Finally, it feels like a lifetime. And I have been very, very good. Thank you for asking. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. I'm Frater Aaron. I'm a magician once again in a roller chair. I forgot the armchair, so you might hear it squeaking throughout the episode. I'm a mentor with the Fellowship of the Phoenix, a graduate of their Hermetic Mystery School, and a, and a practitioner of traditional witchcraft. I'm in love with storybook witches and fairy tale witchcraft. We also have with us Dave, the Weathered Wiseman. Dave, tell us about yourself.
2: I am Dave Gaddy. I am the Weathered Wiseman. Aaron and I have known each other for a long, long time. I'm a practitioner of, I guess it's more of an eclectic type of magic, it's a little bit of traditional magic. Um, some Appalachian folk magic, just a a combination of things, um, come from a long line of, I guess you'd call them redneck, um, (laughs) from the South. (laughs) So, uh, that's a big part of my history. And, um, I'm a Reiki master. Um, also, uh, studying, um, breath work right now. and trying to learn to incorporate a few different things into my practice and my path.
1: And Dave, we're going to switch things up a little bit. What do you have coming up that people might be interested in contacting you for?
2: Uh, I will be leading two classes at Mystic South in July, the 14th through the 16th in July. Um, And uh, I am also putting a few other courses together in the meantime that will be coming out for the year. And uh, I've got a book coming out in the spring of 2024. Congratulations.
1: What topics are you discussing at Mystic South?
2: At Mystic South, I'm going to do a, um, a class on ancestor work, um, highlighting the Southern and the Scottish and i will also be doing a class called the magic of absolute and that focuses on it takes the witch it takes the wish out of witchcraft so no longer we're not looking at wishcraft anymore
1: wonderful we're going to have to discuss that on an episode soon so that's mystic south that's in atlanta this year correct atlanta
2: in july in atlanta the 14th through the 16th of july
1: And Naja Lightfoot and Corey Hutcherson are also going to be there. So that should be a great festival. Mm -hmm. How about you, Laura? What do you have coming up that people might be interested in?
0: Well, I will continue doing my series on spell classes. Those are online. And we have done candle spells and love spells and prosperity spells. And uh, on May uh, 14th, we're going to be doing creative spells and then we're gonna each month do a different kind of spell and those are all online so people can access them live or they can purchase the recordings later and i'm also consistently doing events here in chicago so if you're local from chicago i am doing Terra readings and selling my art and doing stuff like that and i am holding new moon ceremonies at on the north side at, can I say where? Of course. At, Ma- at Maliway Brothers. Uh, they are amazing people. So if you're in Chicago on the north side, uh, you can go to meet meetup and follow the Maliway Brothers, or you can follow me. On my um, Instagram is Magia Serati, and everything is in there. Or follow me on Facebook, Terrell Gonzalez, and I'm all constantly self-promoting because that's that's what I do. And so you can find me also locally on like holding ceremonies once a month at the Maliway Brothers. Thank you.
1: And you're available around the clock for last minute readings, right? I
0: am available for last minute readings around the clock. You can totally text me or call me. I would rather you call me on the phone at 2.30 in the morning. No, I will not. Uh, since you bring it up, Please don't call your practitioners at 2.30 in the morning. Many of you know that they are night people, which I am. I'm a night person. I go to bed around 4 o'clock in the morning, which is totally fine. I sleep from (laughs) 4 to 11 or 12. That's just my life. But calling somebody for business at 2.30 in the morning, not necessarily an ideal practice. And then calling me the next morning, telling me, are you awake now? Are you going to help me or what? I don't think that is a good practice. Uh-uh. So, no, there is a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care where you're from. Also, I don't need to pay for my tuition. Thank you. Aaron, let's bring you okay,
1: know. okay. I'm sorry, Aaron, making you sit through so much gossip, and you're the guest here, uh, our guest of just, honor. It's uh, just fascinating
3: who, who would call Who would call someone at 2.30 in the morning? I don't care if your cabinets are opening and shutting themselves. Do not call me at 2.30 in the morning because you're not going to like what answers the phone.
0: You know what, Erin? What I actually uh, text messaged that person in return was, uh, your only curse is that you don't know how to respect people. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You know, Get them, girl. That, like, that is totally respectful. But anyway, <laughs> let's digress and go back into The topic at hand.
1: (laughs) And our honored guest, Aaron, what can you tell us about your practice, about any news you have and where people can find you?
3: My practice is I am currently a dedicant of the Blue Rose tradition of fairy witchcraft. I I am also a folk practitioner as well and a Hellenistic polytheist. And as far as upcoming events, season four of my show is coming out here soon. Uh Bewitching the Hour there in Maza. Uh and I too, just like just like Uncle Dave over there, also have a book coming out from the same publishing company that is due out next year as well.
1: Wonderful. Congratulations. Alright, so you've spilled the beans already, or spilled the pasta. You brought us a tale called Streganona, and what made you choose this tale for our storybook podcast?
3: <laughs> the reason I picked Streganona is I am of Italian and Sicilian descent. And I remember hearing those stories in elementary school, and it just blew my mind, because I grew up in very evangelical back, like a background, even as a child. And My thought was, but she's a witch. She can't be nice. She can't feed people. Blah, 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 blah. And it just really (laughs) broke a lot of uh, stereotypes for me. And then when I started practicing the craft myself, uh, back when I was 25, I... uh, that book came back into influence for me and it just helped me understand everything that was illustrated in that story. She was powerful, but she didn't Stregonona didn't need to walk around and tell everyone how powerful she was. The thing that primarily mattered to her was taking care of her community, no matter where they came from, or who they or who they were. And that's influenced me in my craft as well, is I don't care who you are or where you came from. I am going to help you as best I can. Because it's just it kind of takes away from like what you see a lot today in the pagan and witchcraft community is lots of people are more interested in getting a star on the walk of fame rather than uh actually doing historically what a witch did. They helped, they healed people, they gave advice. They were the people who were there for you, kind of like Reverend Laura in the wee hours of the morning. And uh, they took care of people. They could care less about their celebrity.
2: I did find it quite interesting that she did help everybody. I mean, even the church folk came to her.
3: And yet, just like the the priest and the sister from the convent, she didn't care what God you worshipped. She didn't care about your circumstances. Again, it's... Essentially, for me, it's I always say that there's no such thing as a definite definition of witchcraft. But one of the pillars of somebody who practices the craft should be making your community better and using your magic first and foremost to heal the sick and protect the poor, protect and be a voice for people who don't have a voice or don't have much of a voice. And that's what we need. I don't know if Any of y'all been watching the news, but now is really the time for lots of people who practice the craft and to step up and speak up for the LGBTQIA community. I don't mean to make the podcast political, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, it's very political and we're all very queer. Oh, trust me. Yeah.
0: We haven't met yet, but <laughs> political is my middle name. <laughs> I, I don't,
1: don't get me started. Don't
0: get, don't get me going. I'm going to recall something that I actually said on some other podcast not too long ago uh, where someone said to me, being a witch is the work title. And it is working for the community, you know. And it's about, um, as my dear friend Christian Ortiz said, become a reverend not to be revered, but to revere those that you serve. And I I take that to heart. And I see on the Strega that she does that, that this particular striga, the Strega that she does that. You know, she cares for the town and she cares for herself. And and. Like you said, you know, she cares for the whole town. No ifs, thens, or buts. Um, I'm not sure if she will take care of somebody at the 30 in the morning, but, but it looked like she um, was like a all-witch opportunity. And, and also, like, about her life, you know? Like, I'm here just with my animals and with my little business practice of healing the town, and I'm just going to go... Yonder to look at the other striga, you know, to get a little coffee and a little chisme, uh, a little gossip for those who are uh, Spanish impaired and, um, you know, to have a good time and then stuff happens because it's usually what happens. The minute you bring somebody that don't understand the laws, um, that's when things go a little goofy.
1: This subject came up in another discussion that Laura and I were in recently, and it's funny because maybe being involved in multiple types of magic and magical communities, I actually consider witchcraft more of the solitary, personal, gain centered practice, and that community practice being more reserved for priesthood, priestesshood. And traditional, as in culturally traditional, shamanism or spirit healers. And so it's interesting to hear such, um, it's interesting to hear this echo from all of you that in your, in your take, the witch is a community servant as well.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's just like, a, going back to what I said, she just stayed up there and she did her thing. She healed the headaches. She got rid of warts. And it's kind of like going back to something that uh, I just thought about is I kind of made her my basis on how I judge situations. It's like WWSD, what would Stregonona do? (laughs) And uh, she would take care of people in spite of laws that say you're not supposed to do this and not supposed to do that and not supposed to talk to those people. She would do it. She would just say, fuck your laws. Uh, I'm gonna do what feels right in my heart and in my soul, and what my spirits call me to do. And they do not call me to obey unjust laws. And it's and that's what I like about her. And she did it in spite of oh, well, what's your what's what's everybody else gonna think if you talk to this person or this person has done this this and that? And that's another how how are people aren't gonna book you for these events and for these events, Dragonona? And she would go. Don't care. <laughs> First and foremost, I'm here to I'm here to serve my community and I'm here to serve humanity and just try to leave it a bit better than than when I found it. Like I said, there's a lot of practitioners out there today who I wonder if they've ever even touched a wand in their life. And they're out there vying for fame. They want the public eye, they want the notoriety. But what more or less I am interested in is being able to help my community where I am at. I don't care if I don't have a podcast or a book or a merchandise or Aaron Mazza branded chalices. I don't care. <laughs> I, I really don't care because the because the, the fame and the notoriety will will come, even if it doesn't come. Who cares? It's you are leaving the world a better place, and that's what stregonona taught me. Is you are supposed to love people, but not take any bullshit.
1: I should make a mug with your pretty mug on it and call it the Aaron Mazza chalice.
3: People would never want to drink coffee ever again if there was a mug out there with my mug on it. They they wouldn't need it anymore because they'd wake up screaming for the rest of their lives. It's only
1: going to be one. It's going to be mine. I'm just going to make okay, one. Okay,
0: enough with the uh, talking bad about your looks because everybody will love to drink their coffee. We're waiting
2: for the action figure.
0: I hate I hate to recognize it in such public space but uh it's trendy it's trendy right now to be a witch it's trendy to be I mean like every good thing it it it, it has its like shelf time and then it goes to the garbage and historically every time that you have some kind of very strong oppression On the community, uh, you have some answer of rebellion and it is very periodically that it happened, right? And then we have like the witches in the 60s and then the other witches in the 90s. And then Uh us now on the 2000s or to be more specific, 2016, I don't need to tell you why, um, people were rebelling against the status quo. And then you have that force, right? The force of rebellion. And some of us who have been doing it, I was not alive in the 60s, but in the 70s, I was born with my cauldron and uh, fighting the fights. And I cannot put down the things that I fight for, right? Because I cannot take the color out of my face, nor can I take my fatness or my queerness or my pick whatever intersection that you want. So as a witch, I'm going to be doing the work, not just for me. First for me, I'm sorry, because I need to heal myself first. And then for the community. Because if I'm not healed, how the hell am I going to heal the community, right?
1: And there's the kicker.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But then it becomes trendy. And never, it has been more trendy now, because we have never had the technology and the access, the immediacy of it. As we have it now. Now, don't get me wrong. I love TikTok. I have learned a lot of art secrets that I didn't know. Because I never gone to art school. Uh, So thank you, TikTok. Because I'm learning how to do art. But that's not where I want to learn my religion from. That's not where I want to learn my craft from. And there are people who are very well educated. And they know what they're doing. And now they have to go into TikTok. Because... You also want to share the good stuff, but it's definitely a, it's definitely trending, and it's definitely like big. uh What's the name of the kid? Oh, Big
3: Anthony. Big Anthony. Big, Anthony. big Anthony. Uh,
0: Like Big Anthony, he wants the results without knowing the system. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: sounds very familiar. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he wants the fame and popularity. I actually went back to another story in lead-up to the podcast, Streganona, her story, and it's a little bit of a background in Stregonona's life, and we won't go too far since that's not the topic today. But it's a cute story of how, as a small girl, she goes to the city to learn witchcraft at the big institution, along with her friend Strega Amelia. And Strega Nonna actually misses the small town life and her grandma so much that she leaves the institution and goes back to the small town and just keeps up tradition in the little house. And then when we catch up with her again in this story, Mm -hmm. you know, now she's the granny Strega Nonna and didn't need the big city, didn't need the big city education in this instance, because we see, again... Even the clergy and the nuns are coming to her because her magic works. Dot dot hmm.
2: dot. <laughs> well, and to me this parallel this paralleled a lot with the sorcerer's apprentice too for me.
1: Oh, we're getting into that. Okay. Hold on to it just okay, for a minute okay. because first, I, wonder, I wondered if you
2: were gonna pull that out of your hat.
1: We're getting into that, but first we're we have to bring up why. So as Laura, you just mentioned Big Anthony. But she seeks the apprentice, Big Anthony, and what happens, Aaron?
3: Uh, like uh, Reverend Laura said, talked about they wanted they wanted all of the benefit without having to put in any of the work. And if you mess around with witchcraft and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to flood your town with lots of pasta. So you'll solve the hunger problem, but then you'll have 500 pounds of linguine blocking your front door.
1: So he tries to use stregonona's magic and magic cauldron to make pasta,
3: yes, but he didn't learn like uh, he, he remember he didn't know the three kisses, so he kept saying the rhyme, and a lot a lot with uh witchcraft is the power is in the most minute nuances that that you can never find. It's kind of like. Whereas, like organized religion has their grand rituals with uh, the, the censers and the humongous cathedral, what makes the craft so beautiful is that there is so much power in just a mere gesture. There is so much power in just a symbol drawn in the dirt. And I think that's where the divine that's where the power is found. The power is found in intersections between two different realms. I hope y'all brought y'all's boots because I was getting deep. (laughs) I've got them.
1: So yeah, so Big Anthony uses large gestures and makes, without the subtlety of the magic, makes an unending supply Mm -hmm. of pasta. And we end up, as Dave says, in a sorcerer's apprentice situation.
3: Because he was showing off for like the whole town. He's like, look, look what I can do. I can feed all of you with this cooking pot look at me, 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 me. He gets, uh, what I say, he he got ate by the me monster. And uh, you see where I got him, it almost got him uh, strung up. Mm -hmm. Because when people write these grand checks with their mouths, uh, when their mouth is writing checks that their ass can't cash, that's exactly what happens.
0: And I think that because, like, looking at things from the other side right now on, on the magical community and recognition and admiration is just natural, right? We're humans. And mm-hmm. we always want to mm-hmm. have either consciously or unconsciously um or higher fans, right? We're always going to have someone that we are looking up to. And they're humans, they're humans too. We look up to them, but they're humans too. They also have flaws. They also uh, use the bathroom. <laughs> they also eat pasta um, and they also <laughs> made mistakes, right? I'm sure the straganana must have made a mistake along the way. But on the other side, mm-hmm. the recognition that comes to those people, those who are our heroes in this community, when uh, it's genuine work, they don't need to seek for the recognition the recognition comes as a side effect of the work that they do Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of us um i am trying not to be ageist i am not only talking about the younger generation it happens with people my age as well that they want that immediate recognition without doing the work and it's frustrating because (laughs) it's just frustrating it's annoying that um it gets um certain people certain things get fetishized and oh yeah this person is the greatest of all times and they haven't done a whole lot of work or a whole lot of uh, emotional spiritual personal healing work um Aaron Fred and Aaron when you laugh like that I think (laughs) They're like, oh, well, well, I know who she's talking about. I'm talking about everybody. Uh, I'm including myself in that. Um, You know, it's like, do your work. Do your work first. Do your work first. And then the recognition will come afterwards as a side effect of the work that you do for yourself and for the community. And that's what this big Anthony didn't have a clue, right? That he probably could have been the perfect uh, apprentice. For checking on that, right? If he would have followed the rules Mm -hmm. and not touched the pasta pot, uh, I don't know, in six months, maybe she will start training him and and teaching him, right? But no, he wanted that, look at me, and then now, guess what happened? So, we all make mistakes, but we have to be patient, I guess.
1: And she still might, yeah. And she still might, like he effed up. But like you said, we all make mistakes. So maybe well, he gets the, another uh, chance in future books. And the phrase
2: that she used at the end of the book, she's like, "The punishment needs to fit the crime." Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, how many times do we bury <laughs> bury somebody before they're dead? Exactly. Um, and that to me, and and along the same lines of what Laura was talking about, not only are we Starve for recognition, but as humans, our nature is to seek approval. And I see Big Anthony doing that too. I, I when I read the story, I kind of saw him as one of those people that faded into the background. Mm-hmm. And then when he became involved with Stregonona, that was his his chance, so to speak. That was his one chance. And not only was he looking for her approval by doing everything right, but then again, he was looking for the community's approval.
3: And it's kind of like, I feel like Big Anthony was using strigonona as almost kind of like a springboard.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He seems like somebody who had ulterior motives, but kind of like you guys said, if he would have just been patient and not broke one of the Italian Ten Commandments and touched the pasta pot. You know, he would have learned how to use the pasta pot eventually because Stregonona was going to pass on eventually, and she'd need someone to pass down her stuff to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see a lot of uh, younger witches. Younger witches have. I mean, I'm happy to see like younger younger generation starting to practice the craft. But just like Reverend Laura said, is they they need to go through the work like we have to go through the work. It's not. Uh, I always tell people homemade mashed potatoes are better than instant. <laughs> You have to actually discipline yourself to to peel the potatoes and mat. The the fun part is actually getting to mash the potatoes. It's very cathartic. And you can even do some spell work there. But it is, you have to put in the work if you want the result. It doesn't come prepackaged.
1: And this isn't just now a recent phenomenon. I definitely saw this, you know, when I was early in the craft and throughout my time since. But people being introduced to the path, just beginning to tread the path, and wanting to break off and be a leader or an influencer, and not wanting to go through the steps of learning the subtleties that you mentioned of the craft.
2: I was actually thinking a lot, too, about how often, especially new practitioners of the craft, they come in and it's our job as the elders to kind of gauge what they're ready for. And I see Strega doing that with the pot. Think about it. How many many times have you told something, don't touch anything on that altar? Mm -hmm. Don't touch that candle. Don't touch that cauldron. (laughs) But with her, it's more of a preparation. It's more of a, you don't know how to use it. (laughs) Leave it alone. You're going to forget something. And I think that's, it's important for us as elders in the craft to come across the way Stragonona does in a kind way, in a, in a, in a teaching way, not just don't touch that. Mm-hmm. I could very easily see her when she said, you can touch, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, but don't touch the pasta pot. And you could hear in the way that it read more of a concern, more of a teaching type of voice than an admonishing. So it's like, you're not ready for that yet. We'll get to it. Mm -hmm. Be patient.
3: That's the thing, though. Sometimes people will call, excuse me, people will call those of us who have been practicing for a while and we tell people, wait a little bit, and automatically it's like, gatekeeper. Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, you're gatekeeping the craft. I'm like, no, we don't want you to get your eyebrows blown off, baby. Settle down. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it's just kind of like, if anything, we've taught the we've taught the younger practitioners that they can put the cart before the horse. And there's a reason we're saying, hold yeah. on, hold on, because you're gonna get spun and you're gonna fall and you're gonna fall on your ass. But it's just What we should be teaching new people coming into the craft is the magic of patience.
1: And I have to say, I'm okay with young practitioners, older practitioners, all of us getting into a mess, falling on our ass. That's how we learned to ride a bicycle as we fell down a few times. So I'm actually less likely to partake in any gatekeeping of magical practices because while I won't give something... I'm not going mm-hmm. out and spreading things that I know are specifically harmful. It's up to ourselves to have a little bit of discretion, however. You know, you know, people shouldn't be able to put other people in danger. So be given or create for themselves a place of authority or leadership where they're going to be in charge of other people's well-being when they're not capable of it. And that's where I personally draw the line. Like, you know, if you want to do some spirit experiments in your basement and see where they go, you know, sure, but don't bring a whole bunch of wide-eyed other young initiates with you that think you know what you're doing.
2: But don't you kind of think Strega was doing the same thing? She knew just by telling Big Anthony, don't touch the pot, that it was going to stir something in him. And then leaving town like that. I mean, she knew she knows human nature. She knows he's going to go straight for that pot.
3: Almost kind of like she halfway expected to see the town flooded with pasta Mm -hmm. when she came back. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, it could have been just like an authentic warning. Maybe just kind Mm -hmm. of like wishful thinking that, oh, God, I hope he doesn't touch the pasta pot, please. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Lo and behold, he did. She was prepared for the event that he did touch the pasta pot. We have to leave room mm-hmm. for people's humanity and
2: curiosity,
3: because we're because we're curious critters as humans.
2: Mm-hmm. And we're going to do stuff we aren't supposed to do.
0: <laughs> and on the same talking, I was thinking about Big Anthony, because all mm-hmm. he did was get a job. Right? Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, here's a job opportunity. Let me go get it. And then suddenly, there's this magic that he is seeing, that he thinks he can have access just by looking at it. I TikTok. I'm <laughs> looking at you. Um, and then they they're going to do it. So it is the responsibility of the of the teacher, right, um, not to leave the scissors out so the little kids don't cut themselves. I don't particularly believe that she was like enticing him. I think she was sitting down in a role and like we have done with our parents, right? Dad and mom said, don't, don't go out at night because you can get hurt. And I can promise you at 17, I was in the middle of nowhere in Mexico City. Exactly what my mom oh. told me never to go, you know? So I am very fortunate that never, ever happened. Nothing ever happened to me, but I did. And I didn't do it because they told me not to do it. I did it because I was young and I wanted to go and have fun. So, uh, of course, from when I was 17 to now, it's a Mm -hmm. completely different world. Um, But I don't think it's so much because I don't think our parents enticed us when they say, don't do this. I think they're genuinely trying to uh, keep us from harm and we still got to do it because we're young and, and we need to experiment. We need to experience these things. How else are we going to learn if we don't make mistakes, right? I wonder though, if he didn't have that opportunity, if that curiosity would have ever mm. awakened within him. And I don't think he did. So, dominic Doom, if you do, doom, if you don't. Do we teach? Do we do public magic stuff? I mean, what we're doing right now is public. So, are we enticing the new generations or are we just sharing our experiences? You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's a sleeper's love.
2: Or are we awakening something in people? They weren't aware was there, or that they weren't aware of.
0: I can only hope that's what it is. That that we are.
2: And that's my question about. That's my question about Big Anthony. Did she do the work knowing that he was going to watch her, just to see what she could spark in him, see if she could build some kind of a passion?
3: And it's just kind of like. I think it could be a little bit of both. If it if the predisposition or the gift is there for magic in witchcraft it is one of two things is going to happen whenever you admonish somebody don't mess with that you'll be ready for that soon kind of big anthony he had the he had the gift because obviously he had the wherewithal to at least know the rhyme how to make the pasta pot work but he didn't want to he was so young and rambunctious that he didn't catch the subtle nuances of the three kisses Because he thought it all had to be grand gestures and poems. But it is, going back to what I said, because I'll beat a dead horse, is it's all, he wasn't paying attention to the subtle nuances. They're not just there because they're pretty. So the story
1: just says that he didn't see her blow the three kisses. But as we're talking about it, I'm thinking about the cliche of the elder matriarch, the mother, mother mother-in-law, grandmother, who you ask a recipe from. And she claims she gives you the whole recipe, but then she hides and she puts a couple of other things that she's not telling you about because (laughs) hers has to be the best. And, you know, if this was some sort of test teaching experience, um, I wonder if it was almost like, pasta pot, make it flow. And then at the end, when she sees him look away, you know.
3: That's totally something I would do to someone. I would just be like, this is amazing. And have like fireworks. Then really just have like the actual gesture. Just be like. (laughs) And they're like, am I doing it right? I'd be like, yeah, you're doing it right.
2: Are you holding your tongue
1: right? (laughs) I don't know why it's not working. I guess you're not talented.
3: I guess you got to keep practicing. Just keep practicing and then just be ready for they slap the shit out of you for not telling them the, the about the three kisses. Sorry, Revin.
0: And that will be coming uh, from jealousy, right? That will, will be coming from control, from like, I want you to be good, but not really that good because uh, I want to be the best. So I'm going to teach you secrets, but not all the secrets, which then brings me to the strain of thought the mysteries, right? The mysteries of the, the mind, the, the mysteries of the goddess, the mysteries. What are the mysteries? Your mysteries are your mystery, and yours are not going to mm-hmm. be mine and mine are not going to be yours. And even if we have the same pot and the same rhyme and the same uh, oregano, really, and not whatever was under that label, um, your um, spice Your flavor, your personal spark is not going to be the same. So is there really competition out there? No. You try your pasta, you try your pasta, you try your recipe, you try your different million recipes until you find the one that you like. And that's when it comes down to, so how much you put on that pasta, Nona? Just a pinch. Damn it, what is just a pinch? Just a pinch. You know, your fingers are different from mine. So your pinch is a half a spoon and my pinch is a whole tablespoon.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so it's between you and the divine. It's between you and source. Like, what is going to be your flavor? What is going to be your pasta like? And you cannot be trying to have a pasta, pasta like somebody else's pasta. Because pasta is pasta. We cannot cook it but what is what makes yours <laughs> delicious that's for you to find out that's the mystery the one thing that i don't like about this whole mysterious and uh secretive uh, magical whatever it's like the mm-hmm. secret is you've got to find your own that's the secret is find your own yeah you know? and with that i'm going back to my.
1: although how many of us have been given that response like mm-hmm. why are we using this glyph in blah 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 that's a good thing for you to meditate on. (laughs) Is that just me? But yeah, I've overheard that a lot. (laughs) So as we talked about, this does follow the general progression of The Sorcerer's Apprentice Mm -hmm. along the lines of the famous Mickey Mouse version of the story, which is the humiliated apprentice type. But those tales, there's been some great work around these stories, and those tales actually serve to cement the status quo cement the control of the overarching patriarchal character who is guarding the secrets and showing that the apprentice shouldn't be approaching them. And what's interesting to me about this story is, even though it follows that narrative structure completely, I don't think it's communicating that purpose at all, just by flipping the sorcerer's character to Streganona. So we have a female and we have a witch and we have someone who is not part of the established religious or governmental patriarchal organization. And we see, as we mentioned before, that the patriarchy comes to her for help. Mm -hmm. So even just as being an old lady on a hill with no authority, they're deferring to her for help. And so I think this actually queers and subverts the genre of the Sorcerer's Apprentice stories really
3: well. Mm -hmm. I could definitely uh, do that, because if anything, it's, that's, in my opinion, that's kind of the definition of witchcraft in general, is subverting, subverting an oppressive structure. I mean, even if you read the Gospel of the Witches, and by Charles Godfrey Leland, they, they Talks about the same thing, but in a lot more extreme detail. And it's a <laughs> cur- curse, curse, them while they lie in their beds.
1: Yeah, I think we love that here.
3: <laughs> I'm all about do- I'm all about doing that to mm-hmm. oppressive people. but That's for a whole nother episode. Pro- probably on my show. I'm just kidding.
1: Okay, so then I guess if we stretch this as far as it's going to go, the other thing I was thinking about is. Her pasta pot. It's her cauldron. And I thought we might touch on elements Mm -hmm. of cauldron lore that show up in the story. But I have one point or caveat or something, Mm -hmm. which, even though because it's an illustrated book, we see that this is a traditional witch's cauldron, like a cast iron cauldron, but her spell actually says it's made out of clay. So I'm imagining, you know, I don't know what this would look like in the Calibrian version but I'm imagining similar. There's uh, Mexican cazuelas, which are like a clay pot casserole dish and that are used for lots of things. So her cauldron is actually some sort of clay pot, according to the text. It's funny to me because I've been reading a lot like, you know, you don't need a cauldron, just use your grandmother's pot. And I actually recently came into a pot of my grandmother's but it's cast aluminum. It's so not witchy aesthetic evocative. <laughs> but yeah, how do you think this story reflects on our ideas of the witch's cauldron?
2: Well personally, when I when I started reading it, I haven't I, I had an Aunt Raffalina from Italy. <laughs> and when you went to her house, she cooked. She cooked. And she had every kind of pot you can imagine on that stove. And she did have a clay pot. She had aluminum pot. She had cast mm-hmm. iron. She had them. And I think, I, I mean, I look at my practice. And when I first started, I didn't have a cauldron. Used what I had. And I think a lot of the, the. Older practitioners, the 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 founders of the craft, they used what they had, whether it be a wash mm-hmm. pot, a soup pot, or whatever. Um, so that was my thought there, and it it's just something mm-hmm. that you've taken ownership of that mm-hmm. fits the need for what you're doing.
3: And it's just kind of like uh, like I I have my little clay pot right here. Just just because it's like it sort of reminds me of the story. Never done anything in it just because I'm I've never used a clay pot, but I keep it around just so it serves as a reminder of the of kind of like stregonona. And my mom came over on the boat from Italy, and I remember a lot of different pots, kind of like Dave would talk about. And it just sort of keeps me rooted to my ancestors and where I came from. And but as far as like cauldron lore goes, kind of like it's kind of a nice depiction of kind of like how, what am I trying to go for? Kind of like things are born out of, like the cauldron is the crater is an illustration for the cradle of the universe. And just, I think that's what I'm going for right here. Work with me, people (laughs) in like a kind of like she would just say this rhyme to this pasta pot. And suddenly all this pasta would come out simply from the rhyme, simply from the power of intention.
2: Well, and it's also it's also a a symbol of birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a symbol of of, of creation. Mm-hmm. So out of that pot is coming new things. It's it you never if you think about it, you're not getting leftover pasta Mm-mm. when she does the spell. You're getting brand new, fresh cooked pasta. You're not getting used up ideas.
0: And um, the fact that the Strega, Stregria, and, like, the Mexican magic, they are so infused with Catholicism and Christianity. And more Catholicism than Christianity, really, by definition. I know it's Christian. But I like the fact that it's made out of clay, like man was made out of clay. Mm-hmm. and I was very surprised when Big Anthony was able to pick it up and move it and take it away into the town but then I realized like of course it's just a clay pot it's not a big uh, iron, uh, cast iron pot and it's obviously always not obviously but historically right the cauldron the the pot has been related to the womb, right, Mm -hmm. to the mothers and the birthing people uh, bringing forth life and creation and creativity. And um, of course, not everybody needs to have a womb to be creative and give birth to things. But I love the fact that, what you just say, uh, Dave, about it being brand new every time different every time being born every time being reborn every time which is one of the many beautiful concepts of goddess tradition is you reinvent yourself you are reborn every whatever season right with every turn of the wheel with every year or with every Whichever cycle you feel that you like more, right? Like the four seasons or every moon or every new moon or every quarter moon or every sunrise is needed. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new opportunity. And that is kind of what the cauldron um, made me think about too, you know, like the never ending well, fun totally intended, uh, coming from the earth, right? Because clay is natural earth. It's, it's basically... It's this plate is
1: dirt, right? Mm-hmm. So it's being born from the earth, right? In the Fellowship of the Phoenix, we call this quite specifically the cauldron of creation, and it's not a pot cauldron, and it's not an object we have at our rituals, but it's this concept that we're talking about, and it's the womb and the tomb and it's essentially the embrace of the Great Mother of Creation. If we look more at British traditional witchcraft lineages, oftentimes you'll see the Cauldron of Caridwyn or the Cauldron of Awen, Awen mentioned, and there's many threads of myth that weave into those, such as the Cauldron of Plenty, which I do think we see portrayed here really well in the story, because it's this plentiful pasta that just keeps producing and producing and it actually won't stop and it's interp- been interpreted as a cauldron of inspiration but the cauldron also in some myths such as the Arthur myths it's a cup and in some older myths it's a cauldron or a pot that won't boil for an unworthy man or like in the King Arthur myths if it comes to if it comes to them it won't let them drink it just spills so like it'll do something for the people that are worthy and it'll withhold from the people that are unworthy and that's sort of reflected here too but almost like in reverse it's still giving forth but it won't let him stop because he hasn't he hasn't learned worthiness yet and as we're talking about this <laughs> and how like you mentioned Laura he's able just to pick it up and carry it because it's a clay pot it's not this cumbersome cast iron cauldron. But again, in the illustrations, we're seeing a large witch's cauldron. And I've kind of liked the idea how it's almost like we're seeing the symbolism of what every pot in our kitchen can be when you're working with it in that way. It's our cauldron of creation, even though it may be cast aluminum stockpot or something like that.
0: And why is it that always the wisdom and uh, because I was thinking earlier when you were listing all the different plots on mythology and tradition and um, different ethnicities, right? I was thinking about the mocajete, which is the
1: mm-hmm. um, uh-huh, a mortar and
0: pestle. Mor- mor- mortar and pestle, but it's made of volcanic rock and it's like, so traditional to Mexico. And then you have to curate it. In a very specific way. So then you can cook just like a cast iron, right? That you cannot wash. Uh, well, the Mocajete has a very, very similar um, tradition to it. And then you put all the stuff there and then you s- squeeze it and mix it and transform it and transmute it. And again, how much you put is just pinch and like, what is a pinch? Um, but also the kitchen. It always, always the wisdom, always the transformation uh, symbolically, mythologically happens in the kitchen where you have the fire and the wood and the the animals and the water. So you have all the elements there. And I think that kitchens and kitchen lore and kitchen magic and kitchen witchery is the most potent one and the most, sometimes for some witches, it just goes You know, that you can just be making a salad and you can uh, make an incantation there. I think Aaron Massa was talking about um, cooking some uh, mashed potatoes and putting some kind of magic in there. Like, why not? You know, you, you can uh, do so many practical spells while you're cooking, and we don't think about it. We think magic has to be this like super elaborated with ropes, and there's nothing wrong. With wearing your robes and going out at midnight and under the full moon. <laughs> but you can also do it wearing your white socks chair in your kitchen while you're making the sofa, you know? So it's, it's different flavors of magic, pun intended.
2: Sometimes it's all about throwing a sigil into the or a marking <laughs> into the dish and going from there. But one thing that you hit on, Laura, that, that really resonated with me was the hearth, the kitchen. And the fact that, and it makes me wonder, when Big Anthony took the pot out to the people, so the hearth is, is the center of the home. It is where the wisdom and the creativity and all of that happened. Was he trying to take that to the people? Mm-hmm. What? What was the i mean there are so many area in avenues that you can take here one was he trying to take the magic was he trying to take the magic to the people or the wisdom to the people, but the people were already coming to s to nona to uh
1: I would defer to the text and he doesn't he tells them that he has a pot but he doesn't try to give them the pot he just tries to give them
3: the pasta mm-hmm. he pretends to know what he's talking about but Mm -hmm. in reality again he's missing the subtle nuances
1: but you know I think he would be just as much of a gatekeeper in the situation right he's going to hold on to what he thinks is the secret as well all these substances we talk about
2: I'm one I'll I'll dig symbolism to death in something it makes me wonder what do the three kisses symbolize
3: Mm, I want, I wondered that, too. Any ideas there?
1: Well, on our last episode, we touched already into this idea of how you have to make it with love. So mm-hmm. there's, of course, there's very overt symbolism there, but I do think we should go deeper than that.
0: Again, this is an Italian tale, so you're going to have your Catholic uh, overlap and you have the Holy Trinity, which I will say the Holy Trinity is present on every Genesis story, not just the Christ. However, comma, I think it's a little wink to the Holy Trinity, you know. Uh, also, if you were into numerology and tarot, number threes are numbers of creativity and creation and, mm-hmm. and the third the third dimension. Mm-hmm so it could be that as well and it could be that the dragon nonna, like uh, any good witch was a little superstitious and it had to be three kisses it couldn't be one it couldn't be two it had to be three so steal it with a kiss
3: exactly say it
0: three times or blow them three times um also if you want to dig into the goddess tradition the maiden the mother and the crone or um, also another sacredness of number three, uh, my egg from which I was born was carried into my mother's body that was carried into my grandmother's body when my mother was conceived. So the, that number three unites um, us with the generations, with our, with our nanas, with our grandmother we were we were inside our
1: grandmother's
0: mm-hmm. life, all of us which i think is fascinating you
1: know? i think besides the kiss of love i also see there could be an element of gratitude there and if we weave that back into the lore of the cauldron or witches tools more broadly these are also animistic entities they're not literally just a tool, but they are uh, other spirits that we're working with. And so that could be a sign of gratitude for the work well
2: done. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thought, and I'll put this little earbud again. Um, what about intimacy? How about a degree of intimacy with the craft? And like I said, I'll take symbolism and dig it to death. So. Um, and, and that was one of the things that I, cause I've always heard sealed with a kiss. Mm-hmm. And I think of, uh, I mean, think about it. We all have our ways of ending a spell. O mode it be. Mm-hmm. As I say, so it is. Things like that. Dragging on us, sealing it with a kiss.
3: And it kind of teaches almost kind of like the degree every time that we do magic or do something like that it is uh you can't do you, you can't perform magic without yourself going into the spell mm-hmm. like a just like a part of yourself so that's what that I think that's kind of like a symbol of that kind of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it kind again. It kind of shows like a, a connection between two different realms is where magic is created. I think of the Vesca Pisces. I hope I'm saying that right. Is the the magic and the product is found in between.
0: You know, when I finish a uh, a working day, uh, reading tarot, I usually when I put my cards away, uh, I I kiss them. I give them a kiss. And I do it out of gratitude, right? Like, hey, thank you. Because they're my co It's my tool, but it's not my tool. They're my coworkers, right? My your cards are my coworkers. Like, we go out and work together. So it's like, hey, thank you. Thank you for another day of, of work and the money that we made and the prosperity and abundance and the connections and the divine connections that we do while reading and while doing our magic, doing uh, terror readings for people. And so I will, I will grab my cards and I will like knock on them three times because you got to knock three times to get all the energies, of the spell. And then I give them a kiss and then I put them away. And I just started doing that not so long ago, really, though I've been reading for forever. And it's now uh, i almost most do it, you know, it's, it's just.
2: And see, I've, I've been doing the same thing with ancestor magic. When you finish, bid them farewell, whichever way you do.
3: And it's uh, uh, and it's kind of like uh, whenever I work with my cards, I, I read I read playing cards, I read Lenormand, and I have this. I follow the same steps ever since I've been reading to like setting up the circle and feeding them with smoke to wake them up. It's, and also I do just like Reverend Laura does, and I give them a little kiss and tell them, thank you, and put them right back in the bag.
1: Dave, did you have any more aspects of the concept of intimacy in mind when you brought it up?
2: Well, I just I think a lot of, like, Aunt Raffalina came to my mind so many times while I was reading this story. I mean, bless her heart, this woman was, you talk about she should have been a drag queen, but, uh, this woman, when you met her, you got a kiss. If you came into her house, you got a kiss mm-hmm. before you sat down to eat. You got a kiss. I mean, the woman loved to kiss folk. And like I said, it could have just been the Italian thing, but it was to her, it was about showing you how dear you are to her mm-hmm. and I think the same thing could go for stregonona's magic. It's something very dear to her that pot you don't know it could have been a help it could have been passed down from generations, but in that not only was she including the intimacy that she feels toward her magic. But it was also, I mean, my Aunt Raphaelina would tell you over and over again, food is love, food is love, food is love. Child, that's why I was such a hefty child. Um, (laughs) Because you go there and you're going to eat. I mean, I was talking to my roommate the other day and telling them that when we would go down to Miami to visit her, each meal was a spread. I mean, you had vegetables, meats, fish, fruits, you name it, all over that table. And as soon as you sat down at the table, you got a kiss on the forehead. And so to me, I could very easily see stregonona being my Aunt Raffalina. Mm-hmm. And the kiss was kind of like Laura was saying, a thank you. It was the gratitude. It was the it was that little bit of love that went into the dish.
1: That's beautiful. Was there one line or aspect of the story, Aaron, that really sticks out to you from the whole work?
3: From the whole work, it's the one thing that sticks out to me is going back to the beginning of our discussion is when she would, it said she would help the priest and the nuns from the convent. She would help the young ladies find husbands. She would cure headaches with a hairpin and water. She would also make warts go away. And it just goes back to... She helped everybody she she didn't care where you came from as long as you respected her and respected other people it's you were her people and she and she was going to help you and so I think it's a fine uh template for us to follow as magical practitioners
1: yeah, I really loved that and it, it gives the list of her specialties and little hints of how she works with the specialties uh, for our own creative contemplation Dave is our resident, let's say contemplation mentor. Dave, did you have any thoughts on how we could delve deeper into the text or engage the character of stregonona?
2: Actually, the part that Aaron was talking about stuck out to me strongly too um and if you think about it. And this is where I, I would encourage people read through this and read read each line, because when I was reading that, it told me that stregonona didn't see something as too small, didn't see something as not important enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That wart was just as important as a girl looking for a husband. That headache was just as important as sickness. Mhm. So in the in the magic that she was doing, she didn't look at somebody and say, "Oh, that's not that's not worth my time." If you think about it, how many times and I use this example over and over again, how many times when somebody says, "I need some magic." Sending Sending. Lighting a candle. I hate the word sending. <laughs> I'm prone to hate that. Whatever they're dealing with is important enough for them to ask. And that's a big part of the kindness that you were talking about, Aaron. Australia Nona didn't look at somebody mm-hmm. and say, that's not, that's not. Big enough for me to waste magic on. She did what was needed for the spell. And <clears throat> in that, I think that we can take a lesson from her. When somebody asks or has a need, instead of st- saying, Sending, Meditate on that need. Meditate on what they're really asking for. Especially, and social media is tremendous. Um, Somebody Mm -hmm. today had asked for positive vibes. So, what did I put? I said, positive vibes coming, but then I messaged him. And I'm like, what do you need from me? Because there's more to that than just needing positive vibes. And I want to be able to give as much power to that need Mm -hmm. as I'd give to my own. I mean, I've got a friend that's going in for surgery tomorrow. Yeah, I could say Sending thoughts and prayers. Lighting you a candle. But I've got to put feet to my magic. And that's what Stregonona did. I mean, the woman worked her behind all for her community. She did what was needed. She never asked questions. She didn't tell somebody that because they Mm -hmm. were a priest or because they were a nun, they couldn't have magic. So I think that as practitioners, my question would be, do we put rules in place that don't need to be there? So as a little bit of meditation on this, what kind of rules unspoken have you applied to your practice that keep people at a distance? Mm Mm-hmm instead of opening your arms and embracing the need and I think that's a big thing we've lost a lot of empathy we want to say that we're a community of empaths but the empathy's lacking and mm-hmm. I saw something spark in you Aaron what were you about to say
3: <laughs> it's just it's just the, just the, the lack of empathy. When we, most people hear about empathy, I find a lot of time in our community, it's like, they think about this, they're just like, ugh, I'm an empath. Uh, I go, oh, is it bad that you actually experience other people's feelings? <laughs> and that, you, that you're that you able to walk a mile in other people's shoes? But you're just like, ugh, I'm an empath. But th- essentially what you're saying to me is, ew, feelings. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm an earth sign and i try real hard sometimes to feel feelings and stuff like that but in a little zodiac humor but i think one aspect of our magic and what can make it more powerful is our ability to feel and experience things from other people's point of view because the whole world is obviously mm-hmm. not like that right now
1: the scariest thing about that is it's a human trait i mean congratulations <laughs> you're not a sociopath right? yeah
2: i'm um, and 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 I see so Dang. much of that now. I saw a shirt on somebody yesterday, and he's like, in this day and age, what we need more than anything is kindness. Mm-hmm. If I've got it, I'll give it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to do me any good to sit on something. I mean, I'm not trying to hatch something. But it's... go ahead, Laura.
0: I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I interrupted you.
2: No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm, I'm curious about what...
0: It's just Because it just hit me that I was at a market yesterday and most of the people at the market, both the vendors and the um, patrons, I'm so glad this is not airing today so people don't know when a web market. Um, most of the people at the market, both the vendors and the patrons, look like all of you, that they look like me. And one of the people that was there had a bag that said racism is trash which I agree racism mm-hmm. is trash this person wouldn't make eye contact with me <laughs> you know It's like alright uh, a lot of things are becoming trending and one of my biggest pet peeves is people who use this Buzzwords and catchphrases. And it's a way to bring that attention. Going back with to what Araminta was saying, it's all about me, 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 me. Look at me. Um, oh, I'm an empath. No, wait. Let me, let me, let me, let me do it right. Uh I'm an empath. <laughs> like, dude. Like, you have feelings. Yeah, you all said it already. Uh, what are you doing with it? How are you Mm going to listen to your service to heal yourself and to the service of the community to heal the community? And what is wrong with feelings? And I don't know how long it's been, but it's been not too long since every feeling is a bad thing. Like, even the phrase, oh, right on my feels. Like, so what? And then people who feel deeply, which is most of us who are on the craft, or our psychics and i know the company right here is not gonna let me lie all of us are hypersensitive to sound to music to uh any kind of um stimulus and it has to do with our psychic abilities but we have put that to work whether you get paid for your work that you do magically or not that's a completely different uh, conversation you put it to work Mm -hmm. and what is wrong with feelings and they say, um, so I'm an empath or I have this gift, but I'm also um overwhelmed by it, you know, like then put it to work. You know, get it out there, do something mm-hmm. with it. Heal yourself, begin by healing yourself. Uh uh you know, heal your inner child, come to the workshop, it because you only three thousand dollars. And you will heal your inner child in two hours. No, I mean, you will learn what the concept of the inner child is probably in those two hours. And then it's going to take you a lifetime to heal that inner child. Um, mm-hmm. Those words, especially the ones that had to do with psychology, like, irked me to no end. And as, as, uh, as <laughs> guilty as charged, a while, as one of those people that would say send in, I will just want to say, I will say send in, but I will do something. I will light a candle. I will meditate 10, 15 minutes or whatever time to help you with your needs. It never occurred to me, um, David, to actually reach out directly to that person. But now that you have mentioned it, I probably will integrate that into my practice and be like, hey, send in. Oh, by the way, can I help you in any way that is directly? and also. Please, let's not chew more than we can swallow. I always tell people, is there anything within my abilities mm-hmm. that I can do for you? Because if what you mm-hmm. need is to write to the doctor, I don't drive. So I cannot help you. But if you need me to with you 10 or $20 right now so you can eat, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so like Mm -hmm. to also know our limitations, you know, and I think that back to the tale with big Anthony, um, I wonder if subconsciously he wanted to share that wealth with the, with the townspeople, but that was not. And and what kept repeating on my mind is that was not his to give. Uh That was not his Mm -hmm. to give. So the punishment has to match the crime. So now you're going to eat it. Now you're going to eat it because you chew more than you could swallow, pun intended. So now you're going to eat it, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to really be very conscious as witches and pagans and magical people of where our gifts are and where our limitations are. And there's nothing wrong with having limitations. Nothing wrong with having limitations. I could not for the life of me, Understand off the cuff that you're an Earth sign and you have to deal with feelings. Like I don't know what that means. I just know I'm a Cancer and I'm always feeling things. You know. So like if somebody comes to me and asks me, "Hey, can you help me with my uh, natal chart and my horoscope?" Nope. no, I cannot. <laughs> but I can tell you who can help you, because I know this community of healers, and I know I can tell you go see this person because they are an expert on signs and horoscopes and all kinds of astrological stuff. So we'll go to them.
2: It's funny. We've got, we've got an Earth. We've got a water. I'm a fire sign. What are you, wearing?
1: <laughs> Another Earth. Looks like we can't summon Captain Planet. Yeah. Uh, because I've seen the 90s crime thriller 7. And I know that death by pasta consumption is completely possible which gave my reading of the story a very morbid ending.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, see, all I thought was carb (laughs) overload.
3: That's why we're so big on leftovers in Italian households. Whatever you eat, you're not supposed to eat all day because we're going to feed you until you explode.
1: And with that... I think we ought to close out. Uh, We did plugs at the beginning this time, so we can all just say a little whatever kind of goodbye we'd like to. And let's start with you, Aaron, when we're ready.
3: So we're doing goodbyes. Uh, I like to think of, I don't like the word goodbye. I like to think, hey, I'll see you later. And after you get done listening to this wonderful podcast, why don't you slide on over to, I need a little sign that flashes, shameless (laughs) self-promotion. And slide on over to The Witching Hour with Aaron
1: Mazza. Alright, I'll work on that. I'll be sure and to put links for that as well. How about cow? you, Dave?
2: <laughs> Um But, uh, just in everything, be kind. Try. I mean, you're not trying mm-hmm. to beat anybody, win any competition. Just share your magic and be kind.
0: Uh, as a self proclaimed queen of self-promotion shamelessly
2: not only i
0: invite you to listen to lunatic monday i invite you to continue listening to mystic chat and watching us there as well as here and uh, to follow me on all social media if you don't find me on social media it's because you're not trying ronald gonzalez 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 etc 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 Um, and, um, yeah, let's be kind. And I don't know how many times I have said this, but I'm going to say it once again. It begins with self. If you don't start inside, you cannot give something that you don't have. Like Anthony didn't have pasta. Mm -hmm. And there he was giving things that wasn't his. So start with self and continue learning always. There is no such thing as a know-it-all expert on all magic. Continue learning.
1: So wonderful. Yes, please scroll down and check out The Witching Hour with Aaron Mazza. You can check out the Weathered Wise Men's Etsy, his personal pages, or go to see him live at Mystic South this summer and also Tarot by Laura Gonzalez. Uh, You can see us both in the mystic chat and listen to her long-standing radio show, Lunatic Mondays. And with that, may all your travels through storybook land of fairy be filled with wonder. Ciao.